podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Hi. Hello. What's up? How are you? Uh, I'm good. We're we're doing okay. It's a lot right now, so we're stressed. I got a cat bitching at me next to me. I mean, what else is new? Because I'm not scratching her armpit properly. I was going to say, yeah, you're you're scratching the wrong pit. She is the one that turned, so I was scratching that pit anyways. Well, I'm a- still doing it wrong. Uh, she's also been a lot more um, aggressive. Playful, okay. maybe? I don't know, because she's never been like a super playful cat. She mm-hmm. actually used to, she used to hate me and Cody. Hated us for the longest mm-hmm. time. That was fine. Because at one point in time, we had three cats. Um, one of our cats was hit by a car in 2020. So three years ago. And that was her bestie. So after that cat passed away, she started deciding that she semi-liked us. And then... Okay. Y'all are her backups. Yeah, we're her backups. And then ever since our other cat passed away earlier this year from whatever the hell sickness he had, um, she's been extra needy. So apparently she liked that cat, but she now, it's very annoying. So she's, I don't know if it's more playful, mostly because I don't know her playful side because she's never been a playful cat with us. Yeah. But she has lately, if I'm scratching her stomach, she will bite and attack my hand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you are the one that wanted this. So I'm afraid to scratch her stomach now. Maybe she just cat wanted it where she wanted it, but she didn't want you to know that she wanted it. But I didn't know if she wanted it because exactly. she, I, I was already lost. So why did she bite me? Because cat. God. <laughs> um, on top of that, let's think where we're at right now in our on dates. We're still in September, mm-hmm. but this release is in November. Um, I guess, right, well, as of right now, I've got a lot of shit with IVF going on. I shouldn't even say that. I'm still on medication. And then we have another transfer coming up. Don't want to talk about that. Um, So there's a, poor Cody just gets to deal with a monster. (laughs) I don't even know what to tell him. But he's been um, doing that for years, so he should be used to it by now. Yeah, but this one's like a hormonal monster that he's definitely not used to. Then he just needs to come home every day with chocolate, just in case. Good day? <laughs> cool, hun. Here's some chocolate. Bad day? I'm sorry. Here's some chocolate. Yeah, he's... Oh, so with all the medication, first of all, I haven't been on birth control in years because mm-hmm. we have been trying to have a child. So... When they put me on birth control, I get real cranky because mm-hmm. that's my hormones. And then they take me off of birth control and put me on estrogen. That makes me really cranky and emotional. And then they make me start poking myself with a needle. And that makes me just angry and sore and everything. So we're hoping for success this time. So the first two transfers didn't work, obviously. Um, we did a mock cycle last month. Okay. That seems off. I feel like the mock cycle we finished earlier this month. Anyways, point is we did a mock cycle. 
Um, and during that mock cycle, I know I complained to you already, Amanda, but I had to do a uterine biopsy. Mm-hmm. Worst things. That's the worst thing ever. I don't know if I've actually said it on the podcast, but it was the worst thing ever because they don't exactly expect you to do anything for pain management other than ibuprofen or Tylenol. That shit doesn't work, especially when Mm -hmm. they're scraping the inside of your uterus. I feel like every woman right now is like, yeah, that seems about right. And every yeah. man is like, excuse me, because, yeah, we are just expected to deal with shit. Mm-hmm. I made them earlier this month. I made them actually do something stronger because this would have been my second uterine biopsy. Mm-hmm. And so I told them the first one was a fucking nightmare. Let me just tell you, for a procedure that was supposed to take five to ten minutes, the first time I did it, I was laying there for 45 minutes. Which that alone, that's messed up because you told me 10 15 minutes and i have been here for three 15 minutes i i've done that 15 minutes three times i was supposed to do it once and it wasn't even 15 it was five to ten no i don't like it i hate it i was emotionally scarred from (laughs) that first time i had to do the uterine biopsy fair um i thought that was fair the first time the the nurse practitioner doing it, she was relatively new. Oh, and no. she just, I don't think she wanted to admit defeat. But I finally was like, you need to go get the doctor. I, I You can't keep trying. Like yeah. you said one more time, three more times ago. You need to go get doctor. The doctor. Also fair. Yeah. I, I feel like you were more than patient and understanding with her mm-hmm. learning curve there. Yep. So the doctor came in. It, he was done in five seconds. Um. This time, this last time I did it, it was not so terrible. I mean, it was still terrible, but I was not on the table for 45 minutes. Um, it was truly five to 10 minutes. <laughs> um, it literally, she, the first nurse practitioner was like, I'm having an issue. I'm going to go get this other nurse practitioner, see if she can. If she's not able to, we have to do something else that was a little more invasive that they did the first time. So that was uncomfortable the first time. Mm-hmm. Second one came in, she got it right in. And then they're like, all right, take a deep breath. We're about to start scraping your insides. Yay. Yeah. Just so what I wanted to feel like a pumpkin. Yep. Um, I took that entire day off because I was loopy on Valium. Mm-hmm. It was, I was feeling real good. I was feeling, <laughs> and that's the only time I've ever had Valium. So I was feeling real good. Never had Valium before, but did you have any snacks and did they taste better with Valium? I don't remember. Because I think you said you slept quite a bit. I'm pretty sure that entire... I'm not even pretty sure. I know that entire day I slept. <laughs> because we went to the procedure. We got home. And I took a three-hour nap. <laughs> and then I woke up. Was up for like an hour or two. And then I took another nap. And then <laughs> we went to bed pretty early. And I slept the entire night. So so you had... You snacked on sleep. Yes, I did a mental snack of sleep. <laughs> that sounds great, honestly. It was wonderful. I'm not complaining. It was really great. Um, but we got those results back pretty quickly. And they were, I guess they were kind of confusing because the doctor kind of didn't show as much confidence as he has before. So that wasn't very comforting. Mm-hmm. But he did tell us that I have to have more time on progesterone, which is not my favorite thing because that's the butt shot. I don't want a butt shot. Perfect. 
So I have to have more time on the butt shot. Mm-hmm. And then he also put me on antibiotics, which I'm now off of. And then he also gave me a vaginal suppository that I have mm-hmm. to do once a week until I start estrogen. Okay. And then he's just like, all right, well, we schedule the next one. But this time they're doing two embryos. And that makes me really anxious, too. I stopped breathing for a second. Because um, you heard two embryos. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 So there's that. Um, if we end up with twins, Cody's mother's wish has been granted. Did y'all tell her that they're putting in two? I haven't told anyone that we're doing the third transfer. I don't, I haven't even told my mom the date. My mom knows we're doing it. She doesn't know the date yet. Don't tell anybody they're putting in two. No, unless Cody's told someone, but I'm not telling a soul that they're putting in. Shut your damn mouth. Shut his face. I'll shut his face for him. So it's been a really emotional couple of months. I appreciate you talking about it though. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's hard. It's, it is hard to talk about. That's why it's been so long since I've given an update just because I wasn't emotionally. Not that I know if I'm emotionally ready to talk about it, but I just wasn't ready mm-hmm. to talk about it without sobbing. And so, you know, like I still yeah. got some tears in my eyes, but I'm not hysterical yet. I think you're very brave. <laughs> it's yes, it's been a lot. So we'll see. Um, like I said, I think more on this round, it was kind of felt like the doctor didn't have as much confidence that it was going to work, but it's because what he expected result wise from the test that I did with that uterine biopsy, he didn't get those results. So the whole reason we did the biopsy was because he wanted to see if I had, he kind of explained it as a form of endometriosis, but instead of being like on the outside of your uterus, it's in the lining Mm -hmm. and there's no way to remove that without just removing your uterus, which defeats the purpose of what we're trying to do. Yeah. That that feels important. Yeah. There's treatments that he said we could have done, but he expected that to come back positive. He also expected uh, my BCL six levels to come back positive and BCL six is like an inflammation in your uterus. Those Mm -hmm. came back negative. Um, Basically everything came back negative, which was good. The only thing he saw was that we had to increase uh, time on progesterone, and then he said it's probably from from um, a lot of different factors, but there was a bacteria found in my uterus, and he's like, I'll just put you on an antibiotic for that. But he didn't think that was the cause of mm-hmm. the IVF failures. So, I don't know. He kind of, he didn't admit as much confidence as he has in the past. But he has a plan. For now. He has a plan. Uh-huh. Yes. So, like I said, it's um, it's been really hard. Mm-hmm. I know Cody and I are both just leaning on one another when we need to. <laughs> oh, the other thing, uh, I am apparently pre-diabetic, which mm-hmm. that was great news to hear. So apparently my diet sucks and I've got to keep <laughs> changing it, even though I feel like we eat pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. So he told me how to read a book. Which you would think for someone who likes to read, that wouldn't be an issue, except for the fact that I was told I had to read a book. Now I don't Uh want to read that book. Yeah, that's always been a problem for me, too. Anytime someone's like, you should read this. I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to. See, that's my issue. My Okay. This has been on my to be read list forever. I have the book and I apologize if my dog is barking. He's kind of an asshole. But my sister, my older sister wants me to read A Court of Thorn and Roses. 
I've read like the first five, six chapters, but because she wants me to read it so badly, my brain is like, I don't even want to get into it. Like, I just can't even get into it. I've always had that problems with books. I know growing up, my mom would be like, you should read this book. You'll like it. And I'm like, it's horrible. I hate it. And then like four years later, I'll pick it up off the bookshelf. And lo and behold, Tuesdays with Maury is one of my favorite books. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know what it is. There's just something about my sister, anyone, not even my sister, because my doctor wants me to read a book. Something Mm -hmm. about being told to read it. I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. So I need to read that and apparently adjust my diet even more, which sucks. I probably shouldn't have had that hamburger for dinner. You're fine. You're I'm fine. Yeah. What do you have for lunch? Mashed potatoes. Okay, while it doesn't sound healthy, it does sound <laughs> delicious. They were leftovers from last night. Thank you very much. Oh, girl dinner. Yeah, it was girl girl. lunch. Yeah, and um, because I felt like mashed potatoes wasn't substantial enough, I just put that between two pieces of bread. (laughs) And I had a mashed potato sandwich. Look, I'm not judging you because I love carbs. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's what I had for lunch. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. You're doing great. You have a plan. I mean, I don't know if I really have a plan. I have something I was told to do. I didn't say you were following through with the plan, oh, but you okay. have it. <laughs> I have think positively. The, I've got the instructions. Now I just need mm-hmm. to execute. Gotcha. Yes. But you have time. That's fine. You're still young. Cody, he's old. He's been old for a long time, but that's fine. You're young. Yeah. The issue is I kind of need him to, you know, not be as old as I don't. I don't need him being an old fart. He's an old fart. Yeah, but you keep him young. I try, but sometimes <laughs> so there are some days where I could just smack him mm-hmm. to to his uh, nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> and not one of the good ones either. One of the bad ones that we no. talk about on this podcast. Yeah, because he mm-hmm. pissed me off one day and I'm like, he's going <laughs> one star reviews across the board. He's going to that one. <laughs> Five dollars a month. Done. <laughs> I don't care. Put him in there. Uh, almost like hit my sleeping husband with a pillow today because we pulled up a lot of more carpet we only have the living room left thank god but right now um the dining room dining room hallway kitchen is still a wreck because as we're pulling up carpets i'm also like cleaning and organizing and like donating and throwing away and doing all that decluttering yeah thank you decluttering it is your fall cleaning it's it's horrible so i've got like we've got bags of carpet that need to be thrown out we've got donation but there's just shit everywhere okay um i turn around today i'm trying to make dinner and now that everything is way more like toddler fod i'll just give annie free reign so just just run around i don't care just stay out from between my legs please she kind of does um But I turned around today because she was quiet and she was chewing on a box cutter that James had just left on the counter within reaching room. And of course, I had to, I couldn't be like, no, because then she's going to run and laugh. So I had to be like, okay, hi. Hey, what is that? That's really cool. Can I see it? And then that didn't work. So she still 
she gave me that smile and I like had to dive for her. Yeah, I had to chase her down. So So James is also going to the chief nursing home as of today. Absolutely. Like out of all the things, he can't even leave his wallet, Bryce. Out of which that's fine. We'll talk about that later. But um out of all the things to leave on the end of the counter, you chose a screwdriver and a box cutter. And a pack of a hundred knives, like that go inside the box cutters. A pack of well, it was a hundred, it's probably not anymore after all that carpet, but well, it sounds like James is gonna have a grant. He's in the doghouse for a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Our husbands, they can be roomies at the bad nursing home. Cody's not in trouble right now. So as of this moment, he's going to the good nursing home. My husband is going to the one we talked about a long time ago that's half <laughs> nursing home and half um spooktacular what haunted house oh that one's closed down that's fine he can still be there <laughs> he can be in the haunted house walking yeah. around okay yep. uh i believe you are talking about asylum 49 that i think that is yeah. the one yeah. and you it's in utah mm-hmm. that was like an early episode guys that was way forever ago that we talked about it yeah that's how long i've been thinking about this for a while i was really upset (laughs) well other than that how are you uh other than that pretty good i appreciate the heat going away fall is coming y'all well by the time you hear this fall is here and i'm living for it yeah by the time you guys hear this it's november I think it's November. I could be wrong. I don't know. What day does this episode release? I'm almost not pregnant anymore. I know that. Um, Let's hold on. Let's figure out 106. Where the hell is our calendar? There it is. So you guys are hearing this on. It's got to be November 5th. Yeah, November 5th. Which November 5th. I believe is the last day we record for the year or we're supposed to record for the year. Fingers crossed on that. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, we got actually, no, it's not because we have a recording scheduled for the 31st of December. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But that's, that's the last thing we'll record until Lee makes his, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say his name. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Until Lee makes his arrival into the world. Um, and then you'll have your, your time away to hang out with the baby and adjust to having two children, two and a half children. I'm really scared. (laughs) And then James have already given Jack the talk. We gave it to him last weekend when he was here. Um, we told him that we need him to be on our side when the baby gets here. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, Jack. We made a huge mistake. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, we let the children outnumber us. So we need you (laughs) on our side. (laughs) We need you to continue being the responsible child that you are. And help us destroy the dreams of your siblings. And he just laughed. So I think, I think we got him. Okay. I'm so glad you understood that. The assignment of you let him outnumber you, figure it out now. Yeah. He's got, uh, what is that? He's got eight years on Annie. Okay. He'll have 10 on Lee 
you got plenty of time, bud. You got to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to want a car in a few years, okay? So you need to show us you're serious about this. <laughs> that feels more like a threat. Like, if you're not serious about this, you're on your sibling's side. No car for you. No, no, no. It's not a threat. It's just, do you want a car or do you want a bike? Which one? Because I can make either <laughs> one happen. And it all depends on how responsible you are. See? You got to twist it. Oh, okay. I see what you're yeah. doing. All right. Well, Jack, you heard it. It's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure everyone knows. <laughs> all right. Well, anything else? No, I think that's it. Other than pulling the carpet and trying to sway the child against the other children. I think that's pretty much it. Turning them on each other. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's jump forward in time. So we're going to time travel, I guess, to the listeners present day. Because present day for our listeners, it's election time for you guys. Yeah. It's like in two days. Yeah. Two days. This is released. Yeah. So make sure that you do your. Your your civic duty yes i was gonna say citizen duty and that wasn't right <laughs> so yes do the civic duty make sure you vote um and get that all in also today when you're hearing this it is daylight savings and it's the good daylight savings yes set we your all, box back yep we're all falling back and so you're welcome for the reminder mm-hmm. um Sweet dreams. Enjoy that hour. Enjoy your extra hour because in the spring that's taken away. Bitches. Unless you're, of course, in one of those states that doesn't observe daylight savings. Like Arizona, you're not doing that. So if you're in Arizona, sucks to be you. Your sleep schedule's the same. I forget that that exists in other places. Well, not other places, but in other states, like within the Mm -hmm. country. I forget that they just suffer year round. Instead of half of the year. Well, here's the thing is we have like a present once a year and then we have like a torture once a year because mm-hmm. the present is when we get to fall back and have our extra hour. But then the torture is when we lose an hour. That's an Wait, hour of thought sleep. of something. Do I get that with kids? No. Oh, no. So I'm in Arizona. You're in an Arizona state of mind. Yes. I'm in my own personal. Arizona and I'm not I'm not a fan what it is is you're gonna have an hour extra of when the kids wake up like how early if they're waking up at six they're waking up at five going forward and you're gonna spend six months fighting that until you guys fall back and lose mm-hmm. an hour I wonder if she can take Benadryl by the time this comes out I don't think so I don't know I'll figure it out she won't be a doctor I was going to say, she's not two years old by the time that you figure this out. So if you're waiting for a year mark. Yeah, she's like a week short. Like a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Sorry. Well, that's okay. Okay. Well, I think that's maybe enough time traveling because it feels like I kind of ruined Amanda's vision of daylight. (laughs) I tried. But you just get that Arizona state of mind and don't get any extra sleep. Okay. Will do. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Nope. And X. X. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much. I can't. 
It's been how long and I'm still struggling to call it X because it's it's dumb. Okay. Anyways, Instagram, Facebook, X, formerly Twitter. We have all of those up and going. Instagram, Hell on Heels podcast, Facebook, Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod. We have our Patreon. We have our link tree. We have our Discord up and going. All of those are going. If you have any requests for stories or suggestions or topics or anything like that that you want to cover, you can email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Um, and then also, if you guys are a fan of our show, be sure to tell your friends to listen as well. Uh, that's just one small way to support us as well. And then I was supposed to, I feel like I was supposed to tell you something from my dad. No. But I think I texted it to you. Oh, was it about me being a bad influence? Or he's not sure who's the bad influence? Yeah, something like that. Um, oh, you know what it was? Is because when we're recording, episode 100 just came out. Mm-hmm. So he heard us talking about the tramp stamp with Janet. I still don't see the problem. I don't see the problem either. But he sees a problem. I'm in trouble. We're not allowed to hang out, apparently. And because so I have <laughs> a butterfly tramp stamp? Is that um, why? No, I think it's maybe because um, you're encouraging me to get a tramp stamp that matches Janet's that we're going to give her. I still don't see the problem. I don't see the problem either. So we're not allowed to hang out. So here we are hanging out. Well, he would really hate this one, wouldn't he? Yeah, probably. I don't even remember what that one says. Hussy. That's right. Mm-hmm. He'd probably not enjoy that one. Yeah. That feels like a him problem. It's not on my body. No. Well, it's not on mine either. I guess it's technically in it. It's Valid. my lip, guys. Hold on. That sounds bad. It's in my <laughs> lip. It's on the inside of my bottom lip. <laughs> inside a bottom lip and it says hussy. So for <laughs> anyone questioning, that's what it is. Yeah. It um, was one of those things I wanted to see if I could do it. And it wasn't that bad. So... And they last a long time. This has been there since, like, because they say that they wear away. But the guy that did mine apparently did a really good job because I've had this since, like, 2011, 2012. A hot minute. Ten years, at least. Do you regret that one? Oh, no. It's my favorite. (laughs) When people see all the other ones and they're like, what did you do to your body? I'm like, look at this one. Look, I don't, I've got a tattoo, too. I actually want another one. Not a tramp stamp to match Janet's, though. I feel like we <laughs> we both need something to match Janet. Yeah. But I want sunflowers. We should get a plane with just the, the Janet. We should Janet. just get Janet. Yeah. Where are we going to do where. Janet? Across the eyebrow. <laughs> so like it looks right like over she's the top. taken off from our eyebrow. Yeah. And in this eyebrow can be a spaceship, so we can have one of each. I get the feeling my dad won't approve of tattoos on my face. (laughs) (laughs) I might be able to get away with like my ankle or wrist. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to hide that one at work. So I'm not getting bangs. (laughs) So um, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not that one. Okay. (laughs) We'll shop it. We'll, We'll work on it. All right. Well, are you ready to jump into stories? I am. I'm kind of excited about this one. Um, It is on the shorter side. So I've told Bryce she has free reign. All the comments, um, let them fly. Don't hold back was what yeah. I was told. So and and I mean that in every way, shape, or form. Don't hold back. I'll so try not to. I love Halloween, so I'm still going to talk about it. 
Just a little bit. Okay. I I come uh nope. I found this story when I was researching all the the Halloween funness, the Halloween traditions. And so I saw a lot about how people are pretty afraid of you know people handing out poison, the razor blades in candy, stuff like that. Is this clown related just out of curiosity? Not in the literal sense, but I mean, I feel okay. like she's a clown. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if you were going to go to like the clown sightings that were happening in like 2015, 2016. No, but I have considered that before. So put a pin yeah. in that, I guess. <clears throat> okay, okay. Sorry, go on. Um, and I read a lot about how th- it, there is this phenomenon where there haven't been many actual attempts, at least in the United States, to where people tampered with candy and gave it away. And they say that this started probably with the Tylenol murders. And it's also it's also believed to be because of the fact that yeah, we're afraid of well, I guess clowns, but vampires, the boogeyman, you know, we're afraid of stuff like that, but we know it's not real. So there is part of it that can be explained away. But the fact that somebody can mess with your food and you not know it, that is a very real thing that is terrifying. That is why I'm so nice to, like, food industry workers. Like, don't spit in my food, please. Oh, absolutely. Like, if my food, if it comes, like, if I order a steak and I order it medium rare, which I love my steaks medium rare, and it comes back well done, oh, does everything look okay? It looks great. It looks perfect. This is just how I ordered it. (laughs) Absolutely. So on that note, this is a story that did drag fear into Long Island for a very, I'm not going to say a very long time, but it struck fear into Long Island for a hot minute. We'll go with hot minute. On October 31st, 1964, that's Halloween night, if y'all didn't know. Oh, it is? It is, yeah. All day, every day, every year. I thought it was April 26th every year. No, no. You were close, though. (laughs) Only six months off. (laughs) So Halloween night, 1964, Elise and Irene Drucker, they went trick-or-treating with another friend from school. And they were dressed as hobos, which I love. Okay. Later, Elise said that they went out to enjoy one of their last Halloweens. Because they were they were teenagers, so they were getting older. They weren't going to be able to do this much more often. I don't know if y'all remember, but I remember that time. And it sucks, okay? I didn't want to stop trick-or-treating. Um, where my family lived, we just kind of stopped. <laughs> it was fine. I did not want to stop. My family just bought the candy. candy instead. It was still so, free candy to me. If my family would have done that, I probably would have been okay with it. But no, we just stopped getting candy. My grandma kept giving us candy. Yeah. I think and she maybe... bought actual bars. Whole bars. No, I think my grandma maybe used to do like little candy packs for Halloween. I can't remember for sure, though. Regardless, even at that, nowadays, as an adult, I get even better candy hookups because I just go the day after Halloween and oh, get clearance. my clearance candy. Yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's when you buy if you're buying for yourself, guys. Clearance candy. Mm-hmm. 
and put it in the freezer, it lasts forever. It tastes better. Chocolate is just better for in the freezer. Absolutely. 90% of my chocolate goes in the freezer. Oh, no, I've I've broken Cody into doing that, too. So he I shouldn't say broken him. I fixed him. <laughs> He's all he's all fixed up. He does that now. So I opened the freezer today. I didn't know he bought candy bars, but he had a whatchamacallit and um it's like a chocolate caramel Carmelo or something like that. They're really good. Oh, I, can't I know what you're talking about, yeah. But there were two of those in the freezer, and I was like, good man. I you did not fast. He did. Took a while. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It took a while. It's been like the past year he's been putting it in the freezer. What a loser. It's okay. I can't say that anymore. He's he's come over. He understands now. Yes. One of he, us. He's come to the dark side. The frozen dark side. Yeah. Everybody just put your f- chocolate in the freezer. Okay. Yeah. It's just better. Also, side note, if you have children, put it in a bag they're not going to recognize in the freezer. French toast. A box of... Uh, not French toast. I'm sorry. Uh, Texas toast. Box uh-huh. of Texas toast. Just throw your candy time. in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're welcome. Tastes better and it's hidden. So it tastes even better. Yes. All the way around. Yep. Uh, So they were going out to enjoy one of their last Halloweens. And they started their way down Salem Ridge Road in Greenlawn, Rhode Island. And at 43 Salem Ridge Drive, Helen Feel, I think, answered the door. And she was described as a dainty housewife. She was short and thin. She was 47, 47 years old. And she was married to Elmer Field. And she was the mother of two teenage boys, 14 and 16 years old. And Elise said that when she opened the door, Helen teasingly, teasingly asked them, aren't you a little old to be trick-or-treating? And then she dumped a handful of candy into their bags and the girls went on their way. And the rest of the night was pretty uneventful as far as Halloween goes. You know, they got their candy. They took their hauls back home. And later that night, when they got back home, their mother dumped the candy out on the table. And she started going through it and just double checking everything. And that's when she found little parcels of either napkins or aluminum foil, depending on the source. I found napkins more often. And when she opened them, she found something called ant buttons that were the size and shape of bottle caps. And ant buttons were apparently used to kill ants, flies, roaches, even mice, small rodents. It was marked with a skull and crossbones, and it said poison, keep away from children and animals. So their dad, Peter Drunker, he called the police. Did I just say Drunker? Peter Drunker. I think you said Dunker. Oh. It's definitely neither of those things. It's Drucker. Excuse me. Uh, He called the police, and the police acted, like, really quickly. They got together with church leaders and volunteers, and these people helped police search the bags of trick-or-treaters in the area. And they found another 12 of these ant buttons. They found five within a five-mile radius of the house. And they found another seven in the next day or two after Halloween. The Drucker girls were able to tell police exactly what house the poison came from. And not just the Drucker girls. How did they know what house it came from? They remembered her. And I think they saw when she 
because she gave them like handfuls of candy. I assume maybe whatever little speak of the devil. Oh, I texted him and told him to oh, okay. give me candy. <laughs> Thank you. I assume whatever like napkin or whatever it was wrapped in was probably kind of on top when they looked in the bag. Oh, okay. And they do remember her saying that too. They they specifically remembered her saying that. So it stuck out in their minds. Wait, saying what? Aren't you a little old to be trick-or-treating? Mm, mm. And it wasn't just the Drucker girls. Multiple other trick-or-treaters, they had claimed that they got their little parcels from the same house. So police go to investigate after having all these different people tell you this. And <laughs> police find empty boxes of ant buttons in the kitchen. Shocker! Yeah, they arrest the hell out of her. Because obviously. And according to Dr. Bernard Bernard Newman, who was the head of Suffolk County Police Laboratory, he sounds important, the buttons could potentially be fatal to young children if they were ingested. But none of the kids that night that were given the poison actually ingested it. Luckily. Yeah. Um, so she was charged with a misdemeanor. She was charged, yeah, she was charged with only a misdemeanor. Only a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. Wait, how though? Because none of the kids actually ate any. So she was charged with endangering the health and life of a child. But couldn't that be like attempted murder though? That's what I thought. Um, the only thing I can figure is maybe because she didn't give them to any small children and she gave them to like the Drucker girls were 13 and 15. So maybe because she was giving them to teenagers, they wouldn't be strong enough to. But that still feels like attempted murder. If she's giving them multiple and not Mm -hmm. expecting them to know what they are. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it either. This, that's why this is one of the reasons I was like, just put it all out there. Because if you're mad now, just wait. During her arraignment on November 2nd, she told the courtroom that she didn't mean it maliciously. And she had spent most of the night handing out actual candy. But she started feeling like some of the children were too old to be trick-or-treating. So she developed a Halloween trick of her own. Along with the ant traps, she also made packages of dog biscuits and still wool. And she just dropped them into the bags of anybody that she thought was a little old to be trick-or-treating. How did she get to decide that? Because, not not to be that person, but you have people with mental disabilities that do have a younger mentality. Like, they're, they might look 15, 16, but they're emotionally, mentally only five or six because of whatever's going on. So how does she get to define an age or a cutoff? And even at that, why would you put something that could potentially harm anyone in their bag? Why? This is why ring doorbells are great because now I can just be like too old, not answering. See, even then, like even if a 17 year old comes to my door and they're trick or treating, you know what? You can have a Snickers because you're not off smoking weed or heroin or I don't know what 17 year olds do these days. I I hope not heroin. That feels like a lot. That felt like a stretch. But that like. I, I don't care. I don't even 
open my door for trick-or-treaters because I just have a bowl out there, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. that person that's like, I'll give you candy. <laughs> just don't ring my doorbell because I've I don't want my dogs. dogs. Yeah, yep. that's what it is. I don't mm-hmm. want the dogs freaking out. So I put my bowl of candy out there. They, I don't even care. They can take a whole ass handful. I will go back out later in the night and fill <laughs> it up. It's fine. And Probably I don't care how old they are. Year. I know without a doubt I have had... um like teenagers come and grab a handful and i'm like you know what i don't care get take it but we also don't have a lot of trick-or-treaters here happy halloween move on yeah so like i just don't get why she's so fixated or so upset about teenagers trick-or-treating i would rather like you said i'd rather i'm trick-or-treating than you know under the bleachers doing whatever you do under the bleachers making babies Oh, is that what you do under the bleachers? That's not what I did under the bleachers. My high but... school didn't have bleachers, so we didn't have that issue. I had to think about it. Yeah, we have bleachers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Ellen, I mentioned earlier, she was married to Elmer. And Elmer was an insurance salesman, which, like, I feel like, if your husband's an insurance salesman, you should probably know better than to poison people. But hey, oh my. Question. Um, did Elmer stay with her after she was arrested or did this cause issues in their marriage? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you what he told the media. At the courthouse, Elmer backed Helen's decisions. He said that it was only a joke. He maintained that his wife loved children, I guess just not teenagers. And this is a quote, while she had been terribly thoughtless and she may have used awfully bad judgment, she hadn't planned to cause harm. I understand the not liking teenagers. I get Mm -hmm. that because I feel like teenagers, when I encounter them now, I just want to punch them. For one thing, I don't even understand what the hell they're saying. Yeah, there's that. I have no idea what the hell they're saying to me. On top of that, they're just annoying. Yes. And they're disrespectful. Which so was I, but I'm not a teenager anymore. They're rebellious, and they're trying to be a person of their own with a mind of their own, and that is unacceptable. Like, what are you thinking? How dare you? not. Yeah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So I get, I get not liking teenagers. I still, however, would not try to give teenagers ant poison. Like, what? Okay. Um, do you want to know what Elmer was doing while she was playfully poisoning the neighborhood? He was watching a football game. No. No. He wasn't home. Oh, was he cheating on his wife? No, he had taken their 15 and 16 year old boys trick or treating. Hold on, hold on. Uh huh. Yeah. 13 years old is too old unless it's your son. Apparently so. Yeah. Hold on. What where's this double standard? Oh, because those kids are hers. That's my guess again. Okay. But when I read that, I was pissed. Okay, but hold on. I'm I'm confused because <laughs> did she not know that they were trick or treating? I believe she knew. And I will say, oh, um, I needed to correct myself. I'm sorry. One source said 15 and 16. They, one of them was for sure 16 years old. The other one may have been 14. But I feel like that's small potatoes when you're 
poisoning people for being 13 yes yeah and you can't even confirm their age mm-hmm. because at that point if you're looking at someone they could be younger than what they look like you got mm-hmm. some nowadays you got some big kids that look a yeah. lot older than what they are mm-hmm. and they were dressed as hobos like so i know they looked older than what they were yeah maybe not 40 years older but but not yeah. and your kids were trick-or-treating with their father at 14 and 16 mm-hmm. yep what's her well cutoff? into teenage years what's her cutoff for her kids then I can't tell you. What I if have her no idea. What if her kids came to the door and were like, trick or treat, mom? Would she give them the ant, ant poison? Oh, probably not. She would probably give them a turkey dinner. I'm just saying, like, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, no. And how would she feel if someone did that to her kids? I imagine she would be pissed. But and no, she, she can't because it's all in good fun. Remember? No, no. Because as a parent, you know, those parents are like, this is not in good fun, you crazy lady. No, she didn't mean it maliciously. Yes, she did. I, that's the thing I don't understand. Like, how can you sit there and tell a judge, I didn't mean it from a place of hate. Ma'am, you passed out poison to children. What if it's not a place of hate? If it's not a place of hate, that's worse. Because if you just gave out poison from the goodness of your heart, ma'am, we need to have a conversation. My hell. Is that what she's going to tell God at the pearly gates and be like, "Mm, it came from like a playful place. It was just playful poison. It was just a Halloween. They said trick or treat. So I gave them a trick. It was playful. They were old enough to not eat it. Like what? I love kids. Except for when they're teenagers. Um, Judge Victor Borgera was over her arraignment and he was not having it. Hats off to Victor. He said, it is hard for me to understand how any woman with sense or reason could give this to a child. And then he ordered Helen to spend 60 days in Central Islip State Hospital for observation. Too nice. Yeah, honestly. Um, this was a psychiatric hospital that was opened from 1889 to 1996. It was the second largest psychiatric hospital to ever exist in the U.S. And I don't know, given the history of psychiatric hospitals in the U.S., I'm not sure that that's something to brag about, but go off, I guess. I mean, are they still open today? No, they closed in 1996. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. Her trial started April 1965 in Riverhead, New York. She said the same thing that her and her husband already said. Uh, It was a prank. It was all in good fun. Um, While the proceedings were underway, she changed from not guilty to guilty. And she had two months before her sentencing, and she was facing two years in prison. Does that feel like a very short stint for handing out 12 pieces of poison to children i almost feel like each child should have been able to like file their own claim like each child should carry a term of two years you know i don't know how the parents didn't honestly i would be pissed oh i'm pissed i will say though her husband he seems like a ride or die so i'll give him props for that he's like look i know you fucked up i'm gonna have your back because we've been married for however long (laughs) 
I expect Cody to do, if I've murdered someone, I expect him to be like, no, that's not. That you should you love didn't... kids. <laughs> no, it's probably not going to be a child. It'll be an adult that pissed me off. Like, let's I get said real. What I said. <laughs> like, yeah, she, okay, she doesn't like adults that much, but she <laughs> loves kids. She loves kids. And it was just, she didn't do it maliciously. It was just a playful punch in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I, if he's not a ride or die like that for me, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to answer your earlier question, they stayed together. I mean, Elmer was like, look, I get it. If someone tried to do that to our boys, I, I would be pissed. But I, <laughs> I get where they're coming from. They are too old. It but wasn't just Elmer either. While she was uh, going to trial, multiple neighbors wrote character references. And sent them to the judge. Okay, here's my thing with character references. While <laughs> what she did sucked, I get that these neighbors writing this, they've probably been asked by her lawyers. I get that they're just talking about what they know of her aside from this act. I just wonder if any of them, like, did the lawyers specifically be like, don't ask that neighbor, they got a pellet. Probably. She gave them poison. Don't ask that one. Yeah, she. they probably were like, don't ask these ones. Ask this one, this one, and this one, yeah. you know? And they were That's... likely, like, closer friendships than mm -hmm. others. Yeah, because then she wouldn't have given them to the kids in the first place, I imagine. Yeah. Judge, <laughs> are you ready? I think so. Judge Thomas M. Stark. After looking over the case and reading all the letters, he said, and I quote, I don't understand why she had done such a stupid thing as this, but I feel incarceration is not the answer. And he suspended her sentence. I feel like he's wrong. The only, I guess, time she served, the only consequence that she faced was the 60 days in the psychiatric hospital. Did she, she didn't have like a probation period nope. or. Nope. I just feel like as one of the parents of the children that got the pellets, I'd be egging her house daily, putting daily. forks in the yard. Yes. Toilet papering, papering her house. Me and the kids, they'd be our nightly routine. Baloneying the cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of it. All of it. All of it. Kool-Aid in the grass. But yeah. not just Kool-Aid in the grass. Kool-Aid in the grass that says. I don't know. Old hag lives here. I try to draw a picture of the ant pellet. <laughs> <laughs> Beware. <laughs> yeah. And it would be like a daily occurrence. Like, and I'm sure the other neighbors would join me every night. Yeah. Maybe and we this do. Is, this is the sixties and she's a homemaker. So, you know, she probably had like a good, a pretty garden and a fine yard. No. Not Destroy it. Not after my dogs get a hold of it. No, nope. absolutely not. No, I'm so sorry they got out and dug up your petunias. Oh no, they got out and drove 1,400 miles to New York and destroyed your monkey grass. I am so sorry. So sorry. Ah, oh. silly me. Silly, silly me. I'm so. Let me go get them now. Okay, I'll be there in a few. <laughs> Um, to finish this story, I did want to end on this little heartbreaking tidbit here. Elsie Drucker, um, 
She later told the media that after this night, she never went trick-or-treating again. I can't blame her. I can't either. <sighs> was she the uh, older one or the younger one? She was the younger one. That's such a bummer. Mm-hmm. So that's the story of Helen Feel, the the Aunt Button hag of New York. Listen, Helen, you did one thing right, and his name was Elmer. That's yeah. all you did, right? Yeah. Honestly, though, you picked a good one. Yeah. He's probably he's probably just prepared for this because she's pulled so much other bullshit. Probably. He's like, damn it. He's like, Helen, at least- this isn't just selling Tupperware again. Like. He's like, damn it, Helen. I don't know if I can get you out of this one. I imagine she's up to the same shenanigans the the woman is in Fried Green Tomatoes. What? Have you never seen that movie? What movie? Fried Green Tomatoes. Nope. Oh my god. Basically, the the lead character is a. If I remember correctly, she's a um, she's a housewife as well. She's a homemaker, and she's just getting into all these shenanigans. At one point, she destroys someone's car. Which would be perfect because Elmer's an insurance man. So I'm literally Googling it. Hold on. Yeah, I maintain I've never seen it. Okay, you should see it. It's nice. Okay. It's a good it's a good movie. Okay. I just envision her nowadays just like Elmer, let's go get some ant pellets or whatever they are. And he's like, No, <laughs> Helen. No. <laughs> I bet their yard had so many ant hills. From here I, on out, because Elmer was like, "No, I bet you anything." Not only did they have ant hills, the neighbors were like doing uh, sugar trails to their yard, <laughs> <laughs> just throwing sugar cubes over the fence <laughs> every day. Take that! Oh my god, I love it. Show Take you what poison. <laughs> Show you where to <laughs> shove it. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready for a fun story? Or two? I am, yeah. Ooh. It's been a minute since I've continued this little mini-series. Even though Amanda tried to cover part of it. Yeah, I didn't get very far, did I? <laughs> it was camels. I don't remember what the story was. I just remember camels. But we're we're going to continue with our state-by-state cryptids. And no, it's not Alaska Part 3, which I totally <laughs> could do. Alaska, I don't know what you guys have going on. I could totally do a part, probably 10 for you guys, 10 parts for Alaska cryptids. But we're not. We're going on today to Arizona cryptids, which now after I was looking up some cryptids, I happened to see some California cryptids. First of all, I call dibs on California. Secondly, I might, you might have a sprint until I get to California, which won't take long. So (laughs) anyway, so we're doing Arizona cryptids today. Now, before we dive too far in, I do want to call out that there are um, a few cryptids that we have either covered or we have plans to cover at a later time. The Thunderbird, the Thunderbird, Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, Skinwalkers, to name a few that Arizona has a claim to. I'm not going to talk about them today, but they are cryptids there. So Arizona, you guys seem like your cryptids are a little bit bigger. You don't have like a little mini ones so with that being said i did also add an urban legend for today so i've got one urban legend and one cryptid 
Oh, okay. With that being said, let's start with the urban legend, which is the Slaughterhouse Canyon. Okay, I'm here for it. It sounds this, great. This one I might end up doing more research on later if I can find more details, but I'm going to give you what the urban legend is. Okay. The area in which this is near is Kingman, Arizona. Kingman had a history. I mean, it was used as a military camp, a reservation for the indig- indigenous people. Um, it had a population boom during the gold rush and another boom when a railway was built in the area. So the general area has its own history. But the specific legend we're going to talk about takes place at Luana's Canyon, which is about a 12-minute drive from Kingman, Arizona. And I didn't get clarity if it's still called Luana's Canyon or if it has officially changed its name to Slaughterhouse Canyon. I assume it's still Luana's Canyon. The first settlers here, they would actually name this canyon, canyon Luana's Canyon after the matriarch of a family that actually lived on the canyon, basically alone, just in a small wooden shack. Now, I just want to point out, this was in the middle of the desert. Arizona is a desert. And so you have a single family living in this canyon with no resources. It's just them. That sounds, I don't know how they did it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you how they did it. Oh, okay. Thank you. So they do name this after Luana, the matriarch of the family. And the family, they they established their home here, knowing that the land didn't seem to have much to offer. There wasn't a lot of wildlife. Like, there weren't a lot of resources, but they still established their home. Luana's husband, I never got a name for him, but he was a miner. So he had some big dreams of providing his wife and kids with a much grander life, hoping to strike gold. Just the, the typical gold rush mentality that you hear about. But until he could strike gold, he had to figure out how to care for his family. So with his work, the family kind of went in up and downs, right? They didn't necessarily have a lot of money or goods at any point in time. And he didn't exactly strike gold because <laughs> there wasn't gold in the area. So the family was struggling. They were very impoverished. So the miner, he would go off to the mountains to work in the gold mines. And when he would, he would take this as an opportunity to also get food for the family. And the family, his wife and children, they relied heavily on him for the food and everything that he brought back, any supplies. Now, it's not clear if he left every two weeks or if he would be gone for two weeks at a time. But this family had a really solid schedule. Like they always knew This is what we have. While he's gone, this is what we have. And then when he gets back, we replenish. He's home. He leaves. So they have their routine and they they heavily, heavily rely on him. And he was very reliable for many years. And Luana and the kids consistently saw him. He returned and met their needs. Until one day, he would leave home for the last time. As time went on, Luana was worried that something had happened to her husband. It had been days, weeks. It had been a significant amount of time, and it was not like him to not return. The family supplies were dwindling. He wasn't home. Luana had fears that he had either fallen ill, he had been attacked by animals, or there was an accident and he wasn't able to make it home. And unfortunately for Luana, the tale states that her husband did die. It does not tell me how there are no sources that state clearly how but rather they state that he was a victim of the gold rush so to me that sounds like a mining accident yeah 
that's terrifying too. Like there's terrifying now, but back in those days, what do you do? You don't you can't just call police. Like, wh- and you're and you here don't by know. yourself. Yeah, and yeah, they don't ter- know. They don't know if he's going to return. They don't know if he's even alive. They don't know. Yeah. That's terrifying. So because Luana had every intention of her husband returning home, she didn't exactly take precautions to like ration food further than what she needed it. So food and supplies, they run scarce. And this family is all alone. They have no neighbors, no family. They have nothing but one another. And with the miners' absence, the family begins to starve. Soon the children, they would begin to weep and wail in pain from the hunger constantly screaming and crying and begging their mother for food, who she was also hungry, and she had no food. And Luana hated seeing her children like this. It killed her. She didn't want them being in pain. She wanted to feed them, but she had no idea what to do. Oh, no. And with time and seeing her children hungry and her own hungry hunger and the pain that they were all in would start to wear down on Luana. She would have a mental breakdown, and during a thunderstorm, Luana would put on her wedding dress, and she would slaughter her own children to end their suffering. Mm -hmm. She would chop their bodies into pieces and take them to the nearby river. Here, she would toss the remains of her children into the river, and she was covered in blood, wearing her wedding dress, disposing of her children's bodies. And she would become so overwhelmed with grief and guilt that she would collapse onto the banks of the river. Here she would remain screaming and crying until the following morning she would succumb to the starvation herself. Now, the house the family lived in where the children were slain was found covered in blood and would become known as the slaughterhouse according to the legend. Now, legend states on quiet nights with full moons when the air is thick, which when the air is thick, is that fog? I don't I don't know. That's what I was about to ask. Thick with what? Well, because, okay, when the air gets thick here, we're told to stay indoors because it's poor air quality. Is that like a city thing? That has to be a city Um, thing. It's a valley thing because of how the valley is. Smog and stuff gets stuck in the valley certain times of year. So we have the inversion. Okay. I guess that makes sense. I just... I mean, we live in a valley, like, but only technically. Mm-hmm. Um, nowhere near like a valley like you probably do. There's mountains everywhere, so. What does air is thick mean? I just assume it means fog. Useless. It means the air is full of something. Thanks so for fog. nothing. Okay, cool. So, yeah. anyways, when the air is thick is a suggestion. If you venture into the canyon after midnight, you're likely to have experiences where you can hear the wailing and bloody cries of the children, begging their mother for food, or just screaming in agony. You can also hear the screams of the mother after she slaughtered her children near the the river. Locals, of course, tell that it was a popular high school experience to load up in the truck and head up the canyon. They would park in the canyon by the remains of the slaughterhouse, roll their windows down, and sit in silence. Some claim to, instead of sit in silence, they would have a bonfire, which disrespectful. Yeah, that feels... Why? What... Because they're teenagers. But oh. they would just wait and listen for family. Or not for family. They would just wait and listen for any activity. 
Many stated they would hear strange noises that would prompt them to hastily leave, and I cannot blame them. I hope you put the fire out, or uh, Smokey the Bear is going to be real unhappy. You are in a desert, so just a reminder, everything's dry. Now, others claim that as you drive down the road that leads into the canyon, that you may witness a woman wearing a black dress with a dark veil. She is seen on the side of the road, and as you pass by, if you turn back to find her, she is mysteriously gone. And Ooh. that is believed to be the Luana. I question if it is a black dress or if it is a bloody dress. Yeah, I was going to say, like, is it black or is it just dirty? It's bloody. And but- I hate it even more that you, like, you pass her and then you turn around and she's gone in the desert. Because I imagine, like, she's not hiding behind a cactus or a tumbleweed or something. Like, she's just gone. She could be, I guess. I don't know. So she's just standing over there like this, like, with her arms up, like, perfectly behind the cactus? She is a ghost. She can do whatever she wants. Okay, that's true. That is the legend of Slaughterhouse Canyon. I didn't like that one. (laughs) Because, um... Because the kids died, mainly. I'm sorry. Everybody died. Hell. Everybody. Everybody up in that house. Well, the next story we have is a cryptid. And it is a Bigfoot-esque cryptid. Ooh, okay. This is the... God, I googled how to say it earlier today, and I'm not going to say it right. Mogion? Mogion. Monster. Now, this is often referred to as the Arizona Bigfoot. The Mogollon monster is seen in a range of places throughout Arizona, from Prescott to Williams to Alpine to Clifton. It's, it's all over. But namely, the sightings are seen along the Mogollon Rim in Arizona. And the picture should kind of depict where most of the clusters are for that. Now, this creature is a large bipedal creature, so it stands on two feet. Reports say that it's over seven feet tall. Most reports indicate that it can range from seven to ten feet tall. Good. Okay. He's a big boy. Big boy. They have large red eyes. And in some reports, it was large wild red eyes. Oh, I hate that. The only thing I hate more than large red eyes is wild (laughs) red eyes. Well, I'm just giving you what the details are. And you want to go to Arizona? I want to go to Tombstone, and luckily, it looks like this place is a good distance from. <laughs> it wouldn't all get your hopes those. up. They're seen <laughs> all over the place. Well, if I see wild eyes, I'm out. Okay, <laughs> I'm here to tell you. Okay, uh, they do have a muscular build. Their bodies are covered in long black or reddish brown fur, typically. Oh God, I bet they're hot. Oh, I'm sure. That's probably why their eyes are wild. They're dehydrated. (laughs) Now, the only spots without hair is their face, their chest, their hands, and their feet. Though some reports of where these bald spots are on the creature can differ from account to account. Did you say their chest doesn't have hair? Yes. Some accounts. Some accounts say the chest doesn't. Others say the chest does. I feel like that's so back-ass words. Back-ass backwards? Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, because it seems like you see a lot of people today with very hairy chests. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm a man with hairy with a hairy chest. I don't feel like that matters. But then um, this one. Um, how do you say it? Mogion? Mugion? Mogion? Mugion? Mogion? I okay. I had a better pronunciation listed where I would understand it and I replaced it. Um Perfect. but I remember typing the word muggy. M-U-G-G-Y. Oh, can we call him muggy? <laughs> I believe I, I was just doing phonetically what I heard from the newscast, but it's Mogion. Okay, so Mogion. So the Mogion basically can rock a V-neck. Yeah. Heck yeah. Cool. Okay. So Muggy over. We'll just call him Muggy. Okay. Um, but they, like I said, they very vastly different accounts of what they look like or where their bald spots are. Now, this creature walks with a wide stride. Most sources said that the tr- stride... The stride is described as inhuman. Uh-oh. And it can leave behind 22-inch footprints. That's almost two feet. Well, yeah, you said bipedal. I meant in uh-huh. length. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Here's so smuck and funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, anyone that's come across this creature claims that it the inks some state that it smells like dead fish rotting meat a skunk with bad body odor which by the way i question that one because do skunks have body odor uh they can like i've smelt a wet skunk and like even it didn't spray and it smelled bad but i don't i feel like that's just rude oh i'm not even done they also describe decaying peat moss or this one got me. The musk of a snapping turtle. Why do you know what that smells like? I don't. And how specific is that musk? Like you're like. To where is a snapping turtle? Specific, not a turtle. A snapping turtle. Like who's over there going, hold on, lift up your pit. Yep, that snapping turtle. Yeah, that <laughs> snapping turtle. That's not tortoise. I was about to say, that's not tortoise. <laughs> So those were some very specific insults. I I want to know what these people do for a living. Well, maybe one of them works with snapping turtles. Because that is like, like if I were to insult somebody, I would be like, you smell like a wet $2 bill. I'm going to start actually using this when Cody stinks. I'm going to tell him he has the musk <laughs> of a snapping turtle. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, you need to go shower. You have the musk of a snapping turtle. <laughs> And that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, this creature is believed to be nocturnal, often exploring campsites at night. They believe the creature can mimic birds, coyotes, and other similar wildlife. But they also make an unusual whistle or screaming sound. Um, it's also descri- described as some having heard them emit a blood-curdling scream, described as like a young woman's scream. Specifically, like a woman in distress. I hate that. Yeah, don't enjoy that. People believe they are omnivores. So they survive survive off of meat and veggies and whatever they can find. Plant-based items. Um, Some claim they will, how they hunt is they will decapitate their prey, their deer or their prey, prior to consuming them. Uh, Yeah, that, okay. Why? But why? Why do you have to decapitate it? Well, th- you know it's dead then. Well, 
I feel like you. there are other ways to know it's dead beforehand. I would just like to point out, you technically, when you eat meat, there is no head on that meat. So I don't want to hear it. You don't know what fish I've ate. I'm talking meat, not fish. Thank you. I'm talking like deer uh, meat. I'm sorry. I was thinking like <laughs> land creatures versus sea creatures. <laughs> okay. Now um, okay. Yes. I was thinking land versus sea. Land creatures, I would love for you to tell me what you've eaten with this head on. Um, what about pigs? When they roast pigs whole? I wouldn't eat it. Oh, I would eat the hell out of that. Uh, that looks so good where they bury it and then just oh yeah. Nope. Load me up some headed the pig. That they have their head is why I can't. Mentally, I'm like, that pig had a name. It had a family. I'll eat them too. I don't give a damn. <laughs> I can't do it. Anyways, so these, these monsters are described very much as predators. So when people do encounter them, they describe that prior to the account, there is an eerie silence in the air, much like what you see with a lot of predators lurking about. That eerie mm-hmm. silence where even the sounds of the desert aren't happening. What sounds does a desert have? I assume snakes. Oh, okay. So you just drive out to the desert <laughs> and all you hear is... I, I'm sure you hear more than that because there are other like rodents and things. But these okay. are this is also up in the mountains where there are, would be wooded area. Either way, it's eerily quiet. Yes, that's okay. the point we're trying to make. Now, they are believed to be very territorial and potentially very violent. They build their nest out of pine needles, twig leaves, and, you know, nature. Did you say nest? Yes. So these seven to ten foot creatures have nests. Yes. How large are the nests? I need to know. They need to accommodate them seven to ten feet. One person, which I should have gone deeper into this this person, but I completely spaced until I was listening to, to something today. But he claims to have come across a nest and it was like... I'd say seven or eight feet wide and then probably four or five feet tall. And he claims there was a baby in there. But they didn't didn't take it? Well, he doesn't want to. The person that did it doesn't want to disturb the creatures. He doesn't want people to know they exist in fear of someone hunting them. Um, I'm just telling you what I got out of that news report with him. He sounds like a wuss, but... I mean, according to him, he was shoving his whole camera in there and got a baby Moogie on. Where's the, did he have pictures? Yeah, I didn't add them, though, because I was going to do the research on him oh, okay. and I forgot. So, anyways, I'll see if I can find it. It wasn't like a good picture. It was like, a, that kind of looks like you're forcing that. They looked edited. Ah, uh, okay, got so. it. Now, they are also believed to throw stones at people and animals. So when they do this, though, they're hidden. So you don't know who's throwing it. I also feel like a stone to them is not a pebble. (laughs) Probably not. They're (laughs) 10 feet tall. They're throwing boulders. (laughs) Watch out. All I'm imagining is like Jack with his slingshot and his hiding spot just pulling back (laughs) and releasing. So, that's what I'm envisioning. Now, the earliest known reported sighting of this creature was actually in 1903. The Arizona Republican would have an article in which a tourist, I.W. Stevens, would describe a creature that was seen near the Grand Canyon. Now, this is not near the Mugion area. This is further north. 
But regardless, this is what he describes. And that he says, quote, it had long white hair and matted beard that reached to his knees. It wore no clothing, and upon its talon-like fingers were claws at least two inches long. Ooh. Ooh. He would go on to state that they had a coat of gray hair that nearly covered its body, but there were spots showing of the creature's skin that was just covered in dirt. And he would claim to have seen the creature drinking the blood of not one, not two, but three cougars. At the same time? Well, the report said two of them were babies and one of them was the mom, so. So he had two shots in a hole. Yeah. Is that why everything's decapitated? I don't know. I am not a movie on. I just I just have so many <laughs> questions. Like he's just decapitating stuff and drinking the blood like a freaking gogurt or something. I I don't know. When the creature saw Stevens, it would threaten him with a club and then quote, scream the wildest, most unearthly screech. But Mr. Stevens survived the encounter in 1903. I don't think he would have had to threaten me with a club. (laughs) If I would have seen him drinking from three cougars, I would have been like, you know what? I'm going to leave you be. Enjoy your cougars tonight, sir. Cheers. Mazel tov, sir. Have a good day. Have a good night. I'm in In, life. Yeah. (laughs) There is another account in the 1940s from cryptozoologist Don Davis who was then about 13, 14 years old, he would state that they were on a Boy Scout trip when this creature showed up. And that's all the details on that. Cool. Okay. Okay. He claims there were multiple witnesses. He's just the one that became a cryptozoologist. If anyone can handle these things, it's the Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. Did he get a badge? No, they should have. But They should have, yeah. So, oh, actually, just kidding. I just didn't indent this correctly. I did have more details from Don Davis. Oh, okay. This Boy Scout trip was near Payson, Arizona, and they saw the creature they believed to be the Mogollian monster. And Don would say this about the creature, quote, The creature was huge. Its eyes were deep set and hard to see, but they seemed expressionless. His face seemed pretty much devoid of hair, but there seemed to be hair along the side of his face. His chest, shoulders, and arms were massive, especially the upper arms. Easily upward of six inches in diameter. Perhaps much, much more. I could see he was pretty hairy, but didn't observe really how thick the body hair was. The face and head were very square. Square sides and square up the chin like a box. And that's what Don's experience was. Okay. I I feel like that just left me with more questions. Okay, well that sucks for you. First of all, his arms are terrifying. I'll say that right now. <laughs> Six inches in diameter? No. Yeah. Thanks. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh-uh. It took tiny me. little arm. <laughs> well, there are other residents in Arizona that claim to have seen this creature on multiple occasions. One resident claimed to have seen this creature several times between 1982 and 2004. Sir or ma'am, why have you not moved? She never gave a specific number of how many appearances, but they were notable enough that she was like, oh, yeah, from 82 to 04, saw him all the time. And she described, like, a black, tall creature that was walking in big strides. And many people from the uh, Fort Apache Indian Reservation often claim to see the creature as well. 
Now, if this creature is real, many people ask, where did it come from? I wouldn't have asked. I didn't like it's a, it. It was here before me. It probably going to be here after me. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I would have asked, where is it going? So I can not go that way. <laughs> and go the opposite direction. Yes. To China. If I have to, it doesn't matter. Get me yeah. away. Now, origin stories are, of course, all over the place. But the origin stories I could find attru- uh, attribute this creature to the Native American people of the area. The first story is that a tribal leader or chief was exiled. He was angry. And he would pray to the spirits to transform him. And he has to be transformed into a hirsute boogeyman. And this was so that he could scare his tribe away. Because he was exiled. They're not his tribe. Screw them. Okay, I feel like there's a reason you were exiled, sir. Sounds like you've got some anger issues. Yeah. But the theory is that he did become the Magoyan monster and is still defending his territory to this day. Another story is that a rival stole the chief's wife. And out of anger and having a need for revenge, the chief would make a medicine man perform some sort of ritual. And this ritual would turn that wife-stealing thief into a monster, and that is believed to be the Mogullion Mogullion monster. <laughs> I'm struggling with the name for some reason. Um, another claim is that a pioneer was attacked by the Native Americans, but the pioneer escaped, at least from the physical danger. Instead, he was cursed by the spirits, and he would go insane and eventually become the monster. They were like, you can run, but you can't hide. You can try, buddy, but Mm -hmm. our spirits got you. Now, another origin story depicts this creature as the phantom of a white man. He was punished for murdering a Native American woman. He was hung from a tree by his hands, stretched to a height of eight feet, then skinned alive and left to die. This man was damned by the spirits, and so his ghost roams the land. But this man is believed to be a misnamed skinwalker. So they actually think it's a skinwalker, but because of how he died, Uh, it looks more like this monster. Right. Okay. Now, of course, the skeptics of these claims have their own thoughts. Surprisingly, they did not blame owls. It's about damn time. (laughs) So this time they're not blaming owls, but they are blaming bears, mountain lions, or elk as being misidentified. How the, okay, you know what, a bear, a bear, I can be like, you know what, I can see that. Cool, you squint, it's a bear. Okay, how the fuck is this an elk? I don't know. What was the other one? Bears, elks? Mountain lions. They're the victims, okay? (laughs) Three of them were drank by this guy. No. No, three cougars. Oh, it's almost the same thing. I mean, I'm just going by technicalities here. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. The cougars are like, or the mountain lions were like, I'm done with these cougars. I don't know. But freaking (laughs) elk. Oh, my God. Elk are terrifying. I'll give you that. I ain't going to piss off an elk. Oh, hell. I'm not going to piss off any of them. (laughs) Okay, yeah, no. (laughs) No. I love that you're like, I'm not going to piss off an elk. I'm like, I'm not. Bear, lion, elk, not pissing any of them off. If it's got the word lion in it, I'm not not doing it. Bear, not doing it. I would take my chances with a bear before I took my chances with an elk. I would take my chances with none of them. I'd be dead no matter what. <laughs> the chances are zero. 
Now, oftentimes this creature is thought to be related to Bigfoot, either like a Bigfoot sibling or cousin, you know, in that branch there. And I am sure that when I cover Bigfoot, I will reference back to this monster as a potential Bigfoot being, but I'm not covering Bigfoot today. So there are still a ton of reports of people seeing this creature today. Lots of blurry pictures. None of them actually look like anything that I can make out, but that's just me. And those are your Arizona cryptids today. I really like this uh, wooden sculpture. Yes. Where he's, I'm going to say hugging a raccoon. He does look like he's hugging. He looks happy. Yes. The raccoon also looks happy. So I think they're friends. He Um, looks like he's holding it kind of like you would a teddy bear. Perfect. Yes. I think yeah. friends, he saved this raccoon from a forest fire. He he done did something. Mm-hmm. But, but I do not like this creature. This is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it is. But there you have it. You're so welcome. Thank you. I did like that. They're fun. I love the state-by-state cryptids. You guys might get it again next time I do paranormal too, but that's also because I'm trying to get to California. <laughs> And I still got to clear Arkansas. Good luck, because these things up here are wild. The Amanda Cryptid. (laughs) Is it my birthday already? (laughs) Anyways, so that's all I've got. Do you have any questions that I actually can answer? No, I have a lot of questions, but... None that you have faith that I can answer? No, sorry. That's, I don't have faith I can answer them either. It's <laughs> Mainly, I don't understand how if they have two-inch claws, why is his beard so tangled? You have built-in comb right would, on both hands. I would assume that they can run really fast just because they're so strong. And so maybe, like their beard is flapping the in the breeze and gets all tangled. Like, you know, when you're riding a bike or like on a roller coaster and the wind gets you. Yep. Okay. Or, yeah. Or if the window in the car is down. Oh yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Which so. if they're like seven to 10 feet tall and they're taking big strides, everybody keeps saying how big their strides are. I imagine they can clear some ground. Yeah. I envision that they're pretty fast. Have a white, they have this wide stride, you know. I am going to need them to, to, to brush brush their hair, though. Like, that's at the very least. I'm it not could, asking you to shower, just brush your hair. It could also be like a fashion statement. People do dreads. I don't know why you had to say it like that. I had, I had dreadlocks. No, I'm just saying it could be so. like their fashion. Like, it's just one giant dread from mm-hmm. their chin. I don't like it. <clears throat> at least do two, one on each side. So you have like a mustache that goes into the beard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You can go suggest that to them. Um, I'm not <laughs> going to do that ever. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess they're not going to get your suggestion. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Hell on Heels podcast, Facebook, Hell on Heels podcast, X, formerly Twitter, Hell on Heels pod. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Heels Podcast. We should be the first thing that pops up. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. 
If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon. We're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellonhalespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.